sort of in trouble and uh, people who bought each other pets. And I thought to myself, if the pets started to like the wrong member of this partnership, that would be sort of funny. A lot of, you'd be surprised how many of my stories start with the idea of that would be sort of funny. <clears throat> I set out to write a funny story that would be rather rude. If uh, rude language offends you, I suggest you cover your ears. Um, yeah, I, I set out to write a story that I thought would be funny. It sort of drifted toward this other area, toward the end. So this is called LT's Theory of Pets. Hasn't been published in Great Britain yet, and depending on your reaction, may never be published in Great Britain. <laughs> LT's Theory of Pets. My friend, LT, hardly ever talks about how his wife disappeared, or how she's probably dead, just another victim of the axe man. But he likes to tell the story of how she walked out on him. He does it with just the right roll of the eyes, as if to say, she fooled me, boys, right, good, and proper. He'll sometimes tell the story to a bunch of men sitting on one of the loading docks behind the plant and eating their lunches, him eating his lunch too, the one he fixed himself, no Lulu Bell back at home to do it for him these days. They usually laugh when he tells the story, which always ends with LT's theory of pets. Hell, I usually laugh. It's a funny story, even if you do know how it turned out. And not that any of us do. Not completely. I punched out at four, just like usual, LT will say, then went down to Deb's Den for a couple of beers, just like most days. Had a game of pinball, then went home. And that was when things stopped being just like usual. When a person gets up in the morning, he doesn't have the slightest idea how much may have changed in his life by the time he lays his head down again that night. Ye know not the hour or the day, the Bible says. I believe that particular verse is about dying, but it fits everything else, boys, everything else in the world. You just never know when you're going to bust a fiddle string. When I turn into the driveway, I see the garage doors open and the little Subaru she brought to the marriage is gone, but that doesn't strike me as immediately peculiar. She was always driving off someplace to a yard sale or someplace and leaving the goddamn garage door open. I tell her, Lulu, if you keep doing that long enough, somebody will eventually take advantage of it, come in and take a rake or a bag of peat moss or maybe even the power mower. Hell, even a seven-day Adventist fresh out of college and doing his merit badge rounds will steal if you put enough temptation in his way. And that's the worst kind of person to tempt because they feel it more than the rest of us. <laughs> anyway, she'd say, I'll do better, LT. Try anyway. I really will, honey. And she did do better. Just backslid from time to time like any ordinary sinner. I park off to the side so she'll be able to get her car in when she comes back from wherever. But I close the garage door. Then I go in by way of the kitchen. I check the mailbox, but it's empty. The mail inside on the counter. So she must have left after 11 because he don't come till at least then. The mailman, I mean. Well, Lucy's right there by the door, crying in that way Siamese have. I like that cry. I think it's kind of cute. But Lulu always hated it, maybe because it sounds like a baby's cry and she didn't want anything to do with babies. What would I want with a rug monkey, she'd say. Lucy being at the door wasn't anything out of the ordinary either. That cat loved my ass. Still does. She's two years old now. 
We got her at the start of the last year we were married, right around. Seems impossible to believe Lulu's been gone a year, and we were only together three to start with. But Lulu Bell was the type to make an impression on you. Lulu Bell had what I have to call star quality. You know who she reminded me of? Lucille Ball. Now that I think about it, I guess that's why I named the cat Lucy, although I don't remember thinking it at the time. It must have been what you'd call a subconscious association. She'd come into a room, Lulu uh, Bell I mean, not the cat, and just light it up somehow. A person like that, when they're gone, you can hardly believe it. You keep expecting them to come back. Meanwhile, there's the cat. Her name was Lucy to start with, but Lulu Bell hated the way she acted so much that she started to call her Screw Lucy, and it kind of stuck. Lucy wasn't nuts, though. She only wanted to be loved. Wanted to be loved more than any other pet I've ever had in my life, and I've had quite a few. Anyway, I come into the house and pick up the cat and pet her a little, and she climbs up onto my shoulder and sits there purring and talking her Siamese talk. I check the mail on the counter, put the bills in the basket, then go over to the fridge to get Lucy something to eat. I always keep a working can of cat food in there with a piece of tinfoil over the top. Saves having Lucy get excited and digging her claws into my shoulder when she hears the can opener. Cats are smart, you know, much smarter than dogs. They are different in other ways, too. It might be the biggest division in the world isn't men and women, but folks who like cats and folks who like dogs. Did any of you pork packers ever think of that, hmm? Lulu bitched like hell about having an open can of cat food in the fridge, even one with a piece of foil over the top, said it made everything in there taste like old tuna, but I wouldn't give in on that one, mm-mm. On most stuff, I did it her way, but that cat food business was one of the few places where I really stood up for my rights. It didn't have anything to do with the cat food anyway, it had to do with the cat. She just didn't like Lucy, that was all. Lucy was her cat, but she didn't like it. Anyway, I go over to the fridge and I see there's a note on it, stuck there with one of the vegetable magnets. It's from Lulu Bell. Best I can remember, it goes like this. Dear LT, I am leaving you, honey. Unless you come home early, I will be long gone by the time you get this note. I don't think you will get home early. You never have got home early in all the time we've been married. But at least I know you'll get this almost as soon as you get in the door, because the first thing you always do when you get home isn't to come see me and say, Hi, sweet girl, I'm home, and give me a kiss, but go to the fridge and get whatever's left of that last nasty can of Kalo you put in there and feed Screw Lucy. So at least I know you just won't go upstairs and get shocked when you see my Elvis Last Supper picture is gone and my half of the closet is mostly empty and think we had a burglar who likes ladies' dresses, unlike some who only care what is under them. I get irritated with you sometime, honey, but I still think you're sweet and kind and nice and you will always be my little maple duff and sugar dumpling, no matter where our paths may lead. It's just that I have decided I was never cut out to be a spam packer's wife. I don't mean that in any conceited way either. I even called the psychic hotline last week as I struggled, struggled with this decision, lying awake night after night and listening to you snore. Boy, do you have a snore on you. I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but you do. And I was given this message, a broken spoon 
may become a thorn. <laughs> I didn't understand that at first, but I didn't give up on it. I may not be smart like some people and like some people who think they are, but I work at things. The best mill grinds slow but exceedingly fine, my mother used to say, and I ground away at this like a pepper mill in a Chinese restaurant, thinking late at night while you snored and no doubt dreamed of how many pork snouts you could get in one can of Spam. And it came to me, that saying about how a broken spoon can become a fork is a beautiful thing to behold because a fork has tines, and those tines may have to separate, like you and me must now have to separate. But still, they have the same handle. <laughs> so do we. We are both human beings, LT, capable of loving and respecting one another. Look at the fights we have had about Frank and Screw Lucy, and still we mostly manage to get along. Yet the time has now come for me to seek my fortune along different lines from yours and to poke into the great roast of life with different points from yours. Besides, I miss my mother. <laughs> now, I can't say for sure how much, if any of this stuff, was really in the note LT found on his fridge. It doesn't seem entirely likely, I must admit. But the men listening to his story would be rolling in the aisles by this point, or around the loading dock at least, and it did sound like Lulubel. That I can testify to. Please do not try to follow me, LT, and although I'll be at my mother's, and I know you have that number, I would appreciate you not calling, but waiting for me to call you. In time, I will, but in the meantime, I have a lot of thinking to do, and although I have gotten a fair way with it, I'm not out of the fog yet. I suppose I will be asking you for a divorce eventually, and think it is only fair to tell you so. I have never been one to hold out false hope, believing it's better to tell the truth and smoke out the devil. Please remember that what I do, I do in love, not in hatred and resentment. And please remember what was told to me and what I now tell to you. A broken spoon may be a fork in disguise. All my love, Lulu Bell Sims. LT would pause there, letting them digest the fact that she had gone back to her maiden name and giving his eyes a few of those patented LT DeWitt rolls. Then he'd tell them about the P.S. that she tacked on the note. I have taken Frank with me and left Screw Lucy for you. I thought this would probably be the way you'd want it. Love, Lulu. If the DeWitt family was a fork, Screw Lucy and Frank were the other two tines on it. If there wasn't a fork, and speaking for myself, I've always felt marriage was more like a knife, the dangerous kind with two sharp edges. Screw Lucy and Frank could still be said to sum up everything that went wrong with the marriage of LT and Lulubel. Because, think of it, although Lulubel bought Frank for LT, first wedding anniversary, and LT bought Lucy, soon to be Screw Lucy, for Lulubel, second wedding anniversary, they each wound up with the other one's pet when Lulu walked out of the marriage. She got me that dog because I like the one on Frasier, LT would say. That kind of dog's a terrier, but I don't remember now what they call that kind. A Jack something. Jack Spratt? Jack Robinson? Jack shit? <laughs> you know how a thing like that gets on the tip of your tongue? 
Uh, somebody would tell him that Fraser's dog was a Jack Russell Terrier, and LT would nod emphatically. That's right, he'd exclaim. Sure, exactly. That's what Frank was, all right. A Jack Russell Terrier. But you want to know the cold, hard truth? An hour from now, that won't slipped away from me again. It'll be there in my brain, but like something behind a rock. An hour from now, I'm going to be saying to myself, what did that guy say Frank was? A Jack Handle Terrier? A Jack Rabbit Terrier? That's close. I know it's close. And so on. Why? I think it's because I just hated that little fuck so much. <laughs> that barking rat. That fur-covered shit machine. I hated it from the first time I laid eyes on it. There. It's out of me, and I'm glad. And do you know what? Frank felt the same about me. That's right. It was hate at first sight. You know how some men train their dog to bring them their slippers? Frank wouldn't bring me my slippers, but he'd puke in them. <laughs> yes. The first time he did it, I stuck my foot right into it. It was like sticking your foot into a warm tapioca with extra big lumps in it. Although I didn't see him, my theory is that he waited outside the bedroom door until he saw me coming, fucking lurked outside the bedroom door, then went in, unloaded in my right slipper, and then hid under the bed to watch the fun. I deduced that on the basis of how the puke was still warm. Fucking dog. Man's best friend, my ass. I wanted to wanted to take it to the pound after that. Had the leash out and everything, but Lulu threw an absolute fit. You would have thought she'd come into the kitchen and caught me trying to give the dog a drain cleaner enema. If you take Frank to the pound, you might as well take me to the pound, she says, starting to cry. That's all you think of him, and that's all you think of me. Honey, all we are is nuisances you'd like to be rid of. That is the cold, hard truth. I mean, all my bleeding piles, on and on. He puked in my slipper, I says. The dog puked in his slipper, so off with his head, she says. Oh, sugar pie, if you could only hear yourself. Hey, I say, try sticking your barefoot into a slipper filled with dog puke and see how you like it. Getting mad by then, you know. Except, getting mad at Lulu never did any good. Most times, if you had the king... She had the ace. If you had the ace, she had a trump. Also, the woman would fucking escalate. If something happened and I got irritated, she'd get pissed. If I got pissed, she'd get mad. If I got mad, she'd go...